disaster for me. Ugh. Ugh. Not good. Fez, you talked a little bit at the beginning of the market report pod about your tough week and everything. And, you know, I think in 10 seconds, it's worth saying for those who are listening to one and not the other, you know, a lot of people reached out and uh, said, you know, condolences or said, hey, you know, not even condolences. It was more, you know, we're, we're behind you, Fez, kind of thing. Yeah, and I appreciate everyone and all the support that I got. Thank you all so much. My mom has been fighting dementia for five years. She fell. She broke her hip. She had surgery to start the year. It's frankly been a you know struggle. And you know, to her credit, you know, she fought for a while, and she just realized it was unclear whether she was ever going to be able to walk. And she pretty much um, she yeah. just she just decided you know it's, it was time. It was time. She just stopped eating, and so I knew she was going to be passing soon. And she did this early last week. And thank you, everyone, for all your your well wishes. Yeah, and. You know, the, the funny thing is, as much science as there is in all of that is, you know, the there's a nature to things. And when, you know, life is wonderful and, and, and if a person gets to the point they don't feel that, it, it's the only thing that makes sense, right? Because, like, in a way... You know, my grand—you know—it was my grandfather, but it was a similar situation, and he was 96. But it was like, uh, for me, it was something that once that was obvious, I was completely supportive of. You know, I wanted what was best for him. You know, and no doubt that was the case with your mom. And it seems like it—that's the way it went. And you know, that's all—it's never a good thing, but it obviously is better. It would go that way than an alternative. Exactly, it's never a good situation. But you know what? I'm I'm proud of my son. He said goodbye. Wow. You know, a couple of days before we—I mean—and I got to tell you, these healthcare people, literally. They, you know, they they forecasted pretty much the day that it was going to happen. It was unbelievable. Well, that that probably shows you had some a good facility because some of those uh, facilities for the elderly, you hear some bad things about. So that's wonderful mm-hmm. in that regard. And yeah, you're right. The whole uh, grandkids and and that kind of the turning and the you know it, it, it's a you really think about it. I think it was the movie. Um, it wasn't Goodwill Hunting. It was the movie with Robin Williams. In the poetry, I can't. What was the name? Of oh it? yes, uh, my captain. My captain was like. Oh one, no, I'm. Th- I'm. Yeah. It's it, It's the one where the young kid winds up committing suicide. I think so, but yeah. that wasn't what I was talking about. Yeah. But, Dead Poets Society. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Dead Poets. What I was talking about was they would sit and look at the book, and the book would say someone like from 1916 or you know class of 29, and it's just the idea that all those. And then they would look at the pictures and they would say, like, all those people are dead. Like, all, you know, they were all in their little school outfits and they were 16 years old. And it's like the cycle, right? And I, the one that struck me the most in real life, when I was uh, like 12 or 13, oh, when I was 12 or 13, uh, the, uh, I was at the, we went to Italy and my mom loved vacations. Oh, and uh, we were at the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Mm-hmm. And I, we're walking up. It's very narrow steps, I remember. And, you know, they're circular, right, if I recall. But there was people that put, like, um, RB plus CL or whatever. And it said, like, like 1781. Wow. I, and it was, I don't remember exactly, but it was certainly over 100 years mm. ago. You saw the, in a way, graffiti or whatever you want to call it. Now, that tells you <laughs> that tower's been there a long time. Yeah, and my mom actually was an author. Um, she, White Girl in Harlem, was the book that she wrote, and I. That's ha- a catchy title. I'm yeah. happy to say that I read excerpts from it 
off and on with her the last couple of weeks. I've, and, well, that's, well, you know that was what, a nice closure. You know what we should do? Because it's pretty, if you want, is I, I mentioned this to you a couple, maybe a year or two ago, is we could publish that on demand on Amazon, right? Amazon has a way you upload the stuff. It can sell. It can sell the digital version, and you can sell a print version that they print on demand. So there's no front money, right? Mm-hmm. So if you ever, if if you wanted to do that, hell, with your platform, you sell a couple hundred of them. It would not donate to charity, whatever you want to do with the money. But it would be something that that would get her words out there more. Maybe I got one paragraph. I right, got it, time. It, it, so this is for sure. My grandfather was a union organizer, mm-hmm. and. And so this paragraph is regarding that from the uh, perspective of an eight-year-old. What is so interesting is that Daddy is no longer quiet while we are eating supper, even though he gets home later than ever. He never seems tired like he did after a day at the mattress factory. Instead, he seems excited. Daddy is now doing all the talking at supper time, telling us all about the labor movement in the U.S., Eugene Debs, the Taft-Hartley Act, and on and on. He can talk day after day about the history of the movement, why it's important, and why it's the only thing that will ever help poor people. He never runs out of stuff to tell us. Now, is that when your grandfather introduced you to Vito? <laughs> this was long before the, uh, at least with this union for the factory mattress people before um, they got corrupted. Yes. I could, well, I don't know, but I, I can't. At least from the uh, from the eyes of an eight year old, there well, was no corruption. If you think about it, the whole Jimmy Hoffa thing was in the sixties, mm. mm. so I don't know. This is back in nineteen forty two. Oh, it was that long? Wow, yeah, no, nineteen forty six. Right after the war. Yeah, um, right after the war. Now, I will say this, quite precocious, an eight-year-old known the Taft-Hartley Act. Now, was there a dash in there? I believe, I, I believe she took some liberties and went back and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> brought, brought, brought her, her, her eight-year self, old self up to speed on some of the political things. I mean, imagine if, if, if someone was a parent and they said, my eight-year-old isn't this smart, and then they, they didn't let him go to college. Yeah. All right, let's get to what do we do on this one? We recap the games that just passed. Why? Because we want to figure out what they mean to the future. Every week I give a conceit in a way. What is the organizing principle of the way we're going to go through the games? And this week it's the following. I've been talking over the last two years maybe about the idea that there's certain games the line doesn't make sense. And that those games tend to continue moving in that direction where it makes less and less sense. And they tend to win. <laughs> and to me, we've got an example this week. There's three examples. One of them, I think we know what it was that they knew we didn't know. But let's start, though, with the biggest of those games, and it was Seattle-Tampa Bay. By no account, by no measure, could Tampa have been a field goal batter coming into that game. Not possible. So I had Seattle rated the better team. Just by half a point, but the better team. Yeah, on a neutral field. On three. a neutral. All right, well, now the game's in Tampa. No, it's not. The game's in Germany. And all the money's on Tampa. It goes two, two and a half, goes to three. Now, there was some buyback on Seattle plus three, but it never went back to two and a half. It was one of those teeter-totter, 2.75, back and forth. Now, your power rating said, and let's be candid, Tom Brady – uh, on a trip. Now, again, there was a speculation that maybe the law, he lost a lot of money in crypto. The, the story went because of a crash on a certain platform. Maybe that would have been a distraction. One, it's an older team that was almost out of the, the you know, the Rams. They were one drive away 
you know, failed drive from having a disaster. And the idea was one maybe- of the least dramatic game winning drives in the history. I don't know if you saw it was like eight yard pass, Scotty Miller, six yard out well, pattern. I saw Scotty Miller drop a few too. But yeah, he dropped one in the end zone. <laughs> and he dropped one he dropped one yesterday. You yeah, see he jumped up like twenty yards in the air to th- catch one that was right at his eye. Yeah, yeah. It's not um <laughs> there's a reason he's not starting most of the time, yes. But Jefferson was a guy at the same time you were betting Scotty Miller against Antonio Brown, you were betting Jefferson, who has turned out to be, and we'll talk about that game, one of the great games ever. So, so they're the greatest catch in the history of the NFL. That's what I were saying. I, I literally, so, so if you didn't see it, and you probably did, he goes up, who didn't see he, it? Go, he goes up to do the Beckham one handed, falling backwards catch. Only what made this one special is the defender had two hands on the ball and he's got four fingers on it. It was fourth and 18 or whatever. Freeze it. Freeze it. At this point in time, what is the probability this is going to be completion? I would have laid. There was always possibility of a deflection. The ball goes yeah. up in the air. I would have. I would certainly bet twenty to one. Oh yeah. yeah oh, a- the question is, do I bet forty to one or sixty to one? <laughs> yeah. So and, and plus that was a four. If he doesn't catch out the game. Game's going to end. Yeah. So we'll get to that game for sure. But I guess in a weird way, you could make the case Tampa gets a half a point because Brady's better at unusual situations. He's played more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But that was the opener. Pick him. Yeah. So then it going to three did not make sense. I usually don't buck these games. I actually had Seattle. I love Seattle. A um, whole lot of people love Seattle. Well, a whole lot of people loved Tampa, too. What was your take on what the truth of the game was? You know, I think we where we might have missed this one is the in Munich, in Germany. Mm-hmm. Even further than London, further let me see. That's further. Yeah, east. Um, you got a team in Seattle, and they sure look like they just were not ready to go. Didn't have the coffee. That that whole first quarter and most of the first so half. The theory was this was like 6 a.m. local time for the Seattle players. Exactly. Three hours later for the Tampa players. Exactly. And Tampa dominates the first half. You see, I'm torn on this because just by the pure stats, it was close game, but Tampa right. dom- T- Tampa dominated in the stats. I was going to upgrade Tampa one, lower Seattle one, and I'm thinking, is that too much because of this whole like not being ready early in the morning for Seattle? I'm not sure. All right, so let's look at the stats, and what we do is we look at our stats model, which has been uh, tweaked and tuned this week. Mackenzie, what did you think of the outcomes this week? Did they seem in line? I thought we had the best numbers. Oh, wow. Um, but but you know what would be interesting is why don't you do the old one uh, between today, you know, tomorrow, and let's take a look at the differences. I, I'd be interested to see where the big differences were. Um, sure yeah. But we got our stats model now that's been tuned, and that considers first downs. It considers yardage gained. It considers yards per play. It considers turnovers now has been added in. But very bluntly, turnovers have been added in. And also, sack yards lost. And is that it, McKenzie? I think that's it, right? Yep. So our numbers say Tampa should have won by 11 statistically. Wow. Kevin Cole says six. Uh, EPA that we uh, weight said 15. And again, we're going to scale down. I think that's a little high. And then um, Football Outsider says five. So, Fez, looking at the stats, when you say – that's interesting. So, you know what it could be? 
Mackenzie, can you pull up? So one of the things we're doing with our stats is we're taking out garbage time, mm -hmm. right? And we're defining that by if it's 99% or more by the NFL's projected win chances, it's all of it's out. If it's 98 or up to 99, it's 75% uh, out. Then a point down from there, 50% out, 25% out. So those those four numbers are going to be from zero to seven, uh, to 25% to 50 to 75. Okay, eliminated. Now, what could be is we take that time out. Maybe that's where Seattle got a lot of their yards, it seems, because they came back later. Yeah, so they're down 14 nothing, and then they're down late 21 to 10. They get the final score in the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're really teetering on the edge of not having much of a chance to win at all. So, Mackenzie, do we have the splits of the garbage time stats versus the non-garbage time stats? Yes. All right, you want to give us a recitation on that? One second. All right, so real quick, oh, uh, just real quick, the fourth quarter win share, which is our kind of game control stat, pregame.com, we have Tampa 94% chance to win the game. Mm. So it was a real domination, even though the score was a little close. Absolutely right. And by the way, one of the greatest upsets in um, musical history occurred mm. during this game because who knew? The entire crowd sang Country Roads, Take Me Home. It's a huge hit in Germany. But, but, How is that possible? Now, that's, the, that's like a West Virginia kind of theme. Yeah, John Denver. Yeah, right, so what, but I guess. Mountain Mama, it says. But, exactly. But but why, I can't, I, why, why would Germany... They just, thought they just connected it to the United States. That makes sense. No. It, well, it <laughs> Born in the USA wouldn't make sense. <laughs> but they won. But here's the thing. Was that them telling them to go home like we're sick of your shit? I, I, I can't explain it. But you know what's funny? We always talk about the... Uh, you know, I don't, but people talk about ugly Americans. They don't understand that that France has five provinces or what the hell. I don't know. And Really? France has five problems. No, I made that up. See, but we don't even know. <laughs> but the point is, they always make fun of us. But it's like, man, if you're thinking Tampa, like Seattle is not close to West Virginia, and either is Tampa Bay mm. or Tampa, Florida. All right, Mackenzie, read it to us. So overall, Tampa had 140 yards advantage. But if you look at just the competitive portion, it was about a 200-yard advantage. Overall, they had about a seven first down advantage. It was about a 12 first down advantage if you just look at the competitive portion of football. It seems like he uh, he pronounced every third syllable wrong. That did you? It was like he was saying advantage, but it sounded like cavantage. It was did, did that? Coca, yeah, Coca Cabana. <laughs> you know, one thing about that that happens, like whenever as a tiebreaker on my adjustment of my numbers, uh -huh. I always think back to, wow, I had Seattle the better team, and mm -hmm. on a neutral they closed, you know, a three point dog, and I'm like. Hmm. I, I use this as a bias. So the fact that money poured it on Tampa, I said, you know what? If it's like I, I want to adjust the teams by three quarters of a point, I'm going to make a one point adjustment for both teams because clearly something was amiss, at least in this game, on my power ratings going into the now, game. I would say this in a game that is so unusual, being in Germany, mm. I would say the money has a better chance of being about circumstances than about the intrinsic quality of the team. There's teams. one factor that's Trump and everything that you're saying if this game maybe was in. Um, a normal Alberta or, that maybe maybe this would or, never would happen. If it was a typical home or away, yeah. Game. Because to me, Seattle's been taking money this year. Yeah. Right. And Tampa hasn't really. So I don't think the mark. Usually, if a team's a favorite of the wise guys, it's not every week, but consistently they're going to be getting support. Although Tampa's been getting support, and and I you know and I think erroneously the last all couple, year long. The, really? Yeah. They all, all bet. Made, they all bet Tampa against the Rams, and they got a miracle cover. 
Well, I had Tampa in that game too, but a two and a half. But and a lot of people had three. Yeah. But but that game, I mean, that game was between two and a half and three all week, right? I mean, I think it closed three though. Mm. But um, but it was. But I guess what I'm saying is, in general, Seattle certainly has been taking money. Yes. So the idea that it completely reverses itself feels like it was about circumstance. Or maybe it's maybe it's about the circumstance of Tampa. Maybe people are feeling that that now that this divorce yeah. thing is past him, that that, that finally Brady what do can you get mean back. Past him. I mean, what I'm saying is. Uh, Tom Brady's a different breed, but a typical person that has multiple kids with someone that's that from the accounts and who knows, it's all on the outside that it was him refusing to capitulate to her demands about not playing or whatever. So it would seem that if it wasn't for that, and who knows, right? But it would seem that it wasn't something he would be joyous about, right? Because if you got to choose between your passion and your marriage, whatever choice you're going to make is going to be a, a compromised choice, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know. And then you add in the whole thing about with the trading platform, with the crypto, so, you know, that, that supposedly he lost a lot of money on that. Now, who's to say, right? Was that money he lost, though, that he had just found three months ago? Well, I, Steve, let's just say this. When you won the Super Contest, did that money, was that money something if it just disappeared you wouldn't have cared about? Now, that is... <laughs> Excellent, excellent uh, analogy. Yes, so, I mean, if you lose fifty million or something, even if you're Tom Brady, it might be on your mind. You know, a little you, bit. you know, you, it's it's a great because I won the a little over two hundred k, and then the M had a hundred thousand dollar buy in contest that I entered. Oh, and I it, and and I lost it. You know, so so how many people were in the hundred seven? And, and then how was it? How was it being done? It was there was a first place and a. I no, think but what small... I'm saying is, was it just, it was just stand, it wasn't like head to head or what, it was standing. Yeah, going... yeah, yeah. And we well, were, you were and, feeling and I was, you're... I was right there at the end and I didn't get into the money. And you so were, that... how many did they pay? Three? Two, I think uh, two. I think you're... mostly one and then the small second. You were feeling your oats. Yeah. But I, now, did yeah. you, did you go down there with cash? Oh, yeah. So a hundred in cash. Yeah. Oh, I just t- took it out of my account. Br- oh, well, yeah, bricks, bricks. All right. So let's agree. It didn't make a ton of sense what the line was, and the irrational line, the line that didn't make sense, won. Yes. Game number two that meets that criteria of it didn't make sense, let's call that, let's go with the Raiders and the Colts. Yeah, Raiders were laying six in that game, and then whoop, comes down to four and a half midweek. What is going on here? And let's be honest, one of the most... In the eyes of the media, the intelligentsia of sports or NFL, it was this is egregious hire, cronyism. You got a coach that is totally unproven. He coached high, high school, school yeah. football, like he's a lineman, and they're just and, these and, NFL guys might revolt. They're, they're, they're exactly. So you got a situation where you had a contending team that got rid of uh, Matt Ryan wasn't starting a quarterback anymore. Sam Ellinger was taken over. doesn't look good. And now you get rid of a respected coach and you're bringing in a completely unproven outsider. You went outside the organization. He said first time in memory they can remember an outsider coming in midseason. Yeah, basically telling the coaching staff, you guys suck and we don't even trust you to be an interim coach and we're going to pick our own interim coach that's an announcer. And um, yet money pouring in on the Colts. Very odd. Now, very odd. To the point that I looked at the line and I was blinking. And now, again, it makes sense that if all things equal, if you just looked at the stats and everything, Raiders favored by four and a half or whatever, meh, I can accept that in that game. But the idea that with the narrative being what it was, and let's be honest, the public money 
was Raiders, 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 and it wasn't moving the line at all. Exactly. So it was like there was just almost an unlimited appetite for the Colts. At that point, even if the line doesn't make sense, I think you play that team, or at least you don't play against it, though I did, again, buck that. It's the first time I ever did. I like Seattle so much. But in this case, obviously, the Colts win easily. Now, Matt Ryan, as you were saying, last-minute starter, what effect did that have in your opinion? Yeah, I think it was enormous with the entire team. And and we we think that in pre-production we talked about, we think that some got word that this was going to happen, although it did not it did not make it out mainstream because to the up until Sunday morning, there was a line on Sam Ellinger. You could bet him Sunday morning pass yards at 180 yards, and then there was talk he might get benched during the game, and there's a lot of sharp money betting Ellinger under for pass yards. In this case, if he doesn't play a snap, that's all refunded. Yes, unfortunately, he got benched before the game started because boom, in came Matt Ryan and the team responded. And, you know, one of the biggest responses I think that shows energy is just, um, you know, the running back. Who had been hurt for the for the Colts? Just absolutely, you know, looking like he was at 100. percent And and I use that. The, the, there's only been 20 uh, players that have run over 20 miles an hour this year, and he hit it on 20.6 on one of his touchdown runs. Okay, Jonathan Taylor. There were a number of really respected media type handicappers, but professionals that were talking about betting all they betting all they could. On the Raiders. So this was something where there was the super sharps, the syndicate types, one group or maybe more than one that had information on this. And then there was, and again, the information be Matt Ryan was going to start, which would naturally that if you knew Matt Ryan was going to start, you would have made the line right around four, four and a half, right? Oh yeah. Yes. I've got, I've got Ryan point and a half better than Ellinger. And some people speculate that it took Matt Ryan in a way he was going to be almost like an offensive coordinator, but then on the field it was. Mm. But but here's what's interesting: this was Ursa, The rumor goes, or the the scuttlebutt, that Ursay didn't want Matt Ryan playing because it was a lost season, and if he gets hurt, there's a major guarantee for next year. Yeah, like ten million ish. That if he fails a physical, he gets paid an extra ten mil if they don't want him. So, yes. So. The story was he wasn't going to be taking the snap no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. like because if you can't win anything, why risk ten million? Was the theory, and it's Ursay's money. But apparently, Jeff Saturday came in and said we can't win, or we, you know, or, or Matt Ryan's better, whatever he said. I obviously wasn't there, but as the story goes, and Ursay, who took so much heat for hiring Saturday, you got to think, huh? Maybe I'll take a chance with this because. I'm getting a lot of heat. If they get beat by 30, I'm going to look like crap. You know what this almost feels like? And remember that movie, Dave, where they had the guy pretend to be the president's? Yes. And so they're like, oh, we'll just bring him in. You know, he'll be he, he'll be our guy and he'll mm-hmm. do what he wants us. He'll, he'll do whatever oh, we tell him okay, to do. Okay. And then he suddenly says, you know, I've made some changes in the starting lineup. Oh, we weren't. We don't have any changes scheduled. Yeah, it's a, la- it's a last minute change, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. The, um, what I was thinking of was almost like the um, Major League, the famous, I guess we got to win the whole effing thing. Yeah. Um, though there is, when we get to the Bills game, an amazingly great movie reference for mm. you. Oh, man. Is it, is it on point? Um, it seems to me, well, let's look at the stats. So the stats say Colts by six and a half, Colts by seven, Colts by eight. That's stats, then Kevin Cole, then the pregame number. 
football outsiders say Colts by two. So this was a, a sweep of the Colts. Um, but, and the Colts' know, offense, seven yards per play. That's an offense that's been a dead nut under all year long. Couldn't move the ball at all. They've been losing games 20 to 10. Boom. And they break through with a 400-yard day. Seven yards per play. What's the average in the NFL? 5.2. Okay. Now, uh, Colts win the game by five. Now, what's fascinating is if you look at the win share, fourth quarter game control, 60% only for the Colts. So, yeah, they um, won the game clean, but but not as dominant as maybe it would seem. What do we do with the Raiders? I lowered the Raiders two points. I think they're a team in complete and utter turmoil. And uh, so two points. If it was just the game, if there was no if there was no game that if this was week eighteen, there's no future game, and you just want to have the end of the season stats be accurate. You know, you have your power ratings for the record. What do you do that's just game specific? Half with? a point. Okay, because really, like we said, it's a sixty forty to win the yeah. game. They underperformed. So this was a major, almost binary, they are now in free-fall mode. It's going to be a point and a half more. Yeah, and you're seeing it in the post-game interviews, Carr calling people out. You know, Couldn't just, that go both ways, though? Couldn't that be something that brings the team together? Normally, but this has been happening the last few weeks. And remember, they had their whole kumbaya moment when they went to Florida for two weeks. Well, I don't know who had that moment. They still you haven't. thought it was going to be good. Yeah, I don't know they, thought it might be trouble. They still haven't won a game since all that. And... I, I I think they're as far as a forecast for the Raiders. I think uh, not just partly cloudy. I think stormy with lots lots of uh, precipitation in their future. Prediction for the fight. <laughs> Prediction. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Now this is a little tease to our market report show, but uh, in that one we talked about the Colts. They opened up where and where did they go? So what is the the Jeff Saturday reprise part two? Mm. What do you see happening? One second here. So uh, your yeah. prediction was? Oh, go ahead. You right? Um, I'm trying to get organized here. Oh, I, no I, know, I know. Here we go. So so the prediction is the Colts open nine. They're they're um, hosting the Eagles now. This is a dynamic game. Right, so, the e- so the Eagles Eagles coming off favorite. a Monday night football loss, mm-hmm. but money was already pouring in on the Colts and it went it dropped from nine. To eight all once, then seven and a half. My prediction is this game is going to go through the seven. It's going to be six and a half. Now, what does your power rating say on this game? Because to me, that seems crazy. Now, again, now the the you know Eagles lose. It was a you know convincing loss as a double digit favor. Um, there was a good spot for the Eagles too in regards to rest because Washington had yet to have a bye. When it gets this late in the year, that can be a big disadvantage. No, they actually, you know, dominate. Now, that last score was a tack on with the laterals or whatever. Northwestern Ohio State. But they still, two. yeah, they still won easy. Oh, what, what, you taking a moral victory from that one, Faz? I, you know, I, I took it in the shorts. I had Northwestern that game plus seven and a half against the Buckeyes. Oh. And in this game, I had the plus three in the fourth quarter on Washington. So I got back my, my Northwestern money that I lost years and so years pl- ago. Oh, this was years and years. I was, was saying, like six was, it plus se- was it plus seven and a half? Or the well, game? Let, well, think about it. How many years ago do we're going to have to go back for Ohio State to only be laying seven to Northwestern? It must have been 10 years ago. <laughs> Except, High State has never been down. I mean, there was one, the Bruce, or Jim Fickle, was that the guy's name? Or the guy went to Cincinnati, right? There was Ken Cooper. There was well, like, but that was but that was remember Trestle started like in ninety seven or ninety eight. Yeah, Cooper was back in like nineteen. Well, yeah, Cooper was from like eighty eight from eighty eight to like ninety eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Earl Bruce before that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then Woody Hayes before that. To, to go back, to answer your question on power ratings, um, I had, before the Monday night game, I had these teams on a neutral being nine. Okay. Okay, so that means I would I would go to, what, seven and a quarter before this game would have been my number. So the, so you're saying the line that opened was inflated. In the line mind. was wrong, yes. And it was heading to my number, and now I'm going to downgrade the Eagles a point. I don't see how I you, think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, this here's what's interesting. This was the only what well, what what was Philly's uh, worst win share in the fourth quarter prior to this game? McKenzie, take Tell a, a second. Yeah, take a minute with that. Um, because they were clean. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, you could say Jacksonville. I mean, it was really a situation where their worst game was if there was like two scores that had gone one. Maybe not two score, but it was like it took at least one miracle play to maybe get it where it was a coin flip kind of situation. I mean, right. so Dallas, they ended up covering uh, against, if I recall, yeah. and But you could make the case that game could have been closer. But, I mean, this – so the question is, every team has a bad game. This was off a bye, right, for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I mean, undefeated teams off a bye should usually do well, right? I mean, because there's usually a bunch of enthusiasm and such. At Arizona, Eagles had a 77% fourth quarter win share. Think about that. So this week, there was, uh, let me think about this. Chicago was 62% over Detroit, but they lost. Miami Buffalo was 59-41. Indy was 60%. So there were, like, this week, there's seven or eight games or six or seven games that were below, like, 78%. And that was the worst Eagles game the whole year. Yeah. So it's like, that's crazy. No. Kansas City, that's the second best or the best team, right, in your power rating? Or you still got the Bills? Yeah, no, it's Kansas City, and, and there's been a fundamental shift. There's a tipping point, as RJ, as you like to say, yeah, so, timber, a timber point. <laughs> so that was on Philly, remember? Real quick, we're going to talk. I'm going to tell McKenzie. McKenzie, do me a favor. Get me, like, the, the, the bottom three Kansas City win shares, and then you tell your story, and then we'll jump to McKenzie. All right. You were talking about the Super Bowl, I think. Yeah, so tipping point being Kansas City now is below 4-1 to one in some spots to win the Super Bowl. They've been like 5-1. to one. So Kansas City is the favorite now. Buffalo has gone up to plus 450, and Philly now is plus 550. So we've seen, we, we, we've seen Buffalo and Kansas City be 1-2 for some time. Philly 3. Philly's now a further back 3, and Kansas City just jumped Buffalo. We'll be talking Minnesota here. I'm going to be interested where you think they fit in that mix. I would make the following point. This sounds crazy. I like Philly now. Maybe not because I'm getting them a better price. But I like Philly now probably better than I did before this game. And here's why. One, I like the extra price. You're going to inevitably have a bad game now and again. But I would make the case that unless you want to really say Minnesota is better, look how easy. Like, who is the second best team in the NFC? Oh, Dallas is the second best team. Well, oh no no! Correction: San Francisco is the second best team. So a team that's five and four is the second best team. If, I mean, if, records if we, matter. If, records no, matter. records don't matter. Well, if we could just let, look let me, at the, let me explain. Let me explain something. If you don't have a record good enough to make the playoffs, you can't win the then Super it matters. Bowl. All right, but ask the Chargers last year. Um, and you bring up another good point that records matter because they give you an easier path towards the finals. Look no further when the Eagles with Foles. Part of the reason they won the Super Bowl. Home against Atlanta. Yeah, their path was good. But but. Again, it got them to the chance to do something. They did it. But my point would be this. And plus the buy, the one buy is worth a ton, mm, right? A ton. I mean, because you get to Because it carries us over. Yeah. You get to – I mean, even if you win – like, think about the Tampa. Even though they won the Super Bowl that year, that Tampa-Washington game in the first round, 
That's a game. You got to go. You play that. And, and plus, if you're a wild card team like the Bills are right now, you got to go on the road the first. I mean, you got to win three road games. Chances are, yeah. That, you know how much harder that is than two home games. Yeah, exactly. So, I, but I do think records matter too, even beyond that. Both Bengals Super Bowls, by the way. They, Bengals have zero Super Bowl. No, trips to the Super Bowl. Oh. They, they got the, it makes the point even more. They got there because they had home field advantage, and they oh, were able to okay. play the Chargers in the Ice Bowl when it's like 45 degrees below zero uh, wind chill. But they didn't have home field this last year. They were on the road. That was the first time yeah. that they, yeah. The, um, that was just an aberration. Think, just think how sad it is to be a Bengals fan. You have three Super Bowl appearances Versus like the Steelers that have six Super Bowl victories. Well, the Bengals are 67% against the spread in the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight up, though, 0 for 3. Now, but, but here's, the, here's the interesting thing. All right, so real quick, let's look at uh, first Kansas City and their worst games. But, but, but I guess here's my point of why I think records matter. There's no formula... You know, in poker, they talk about like hold 'em heads up is a solved game mm-hmm. with just two players. The, the 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 math of it is such with the computer simulations that there's a right play in any given situation. Although they do recommend randomizing certain hands, which in certain is situations, which is part of the, one the solution, right. right? You just look at your watch, and if it's if the second hand, you know, they give you, you for, I like that. You know, or if the second hand is zero to forty five seconds, you do A, otherwise you do B. And in a computer you're playing would do that, you know, right. random computer, generator yes. would do it automatically. So the reason for that, and again, I'm not, not an expert on the optimal play of this, but is there certain situations if you bet a certain size that there's no way to exploit the play, mm-hmm. that, that it's going to, that the mathematics say that if you bluff this much, do you call or don't you? It doesn't even matter. But you don't play optimal. You play at full tables with donkeys and you pound the donkeys, but suboptimal plays and they just fall right for it. That, that might be a metaphor of my life in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's always the question, right? Do you do you go for the purity or do you go for the utility? Yes. That's the question. All right. So real I quick, like utility myself. I thought so. I see the cars you drive. Now, first round by by 538, uh, the website, Kansas City has a 50% chance. So they say Philadelphia has a le- only a 41 chance at a first round by. Their model does not understand <laughs> I mean, so that's saying, so Minnesota's at 40, Philly's at 41. They're tied, but Philly has the tiebreaker. They're probably overvaluing the home field or, or the, those divisions. No, it's the division games. They're probably they're probably valuing the Giants as being better than, than they really are. That's insane. I mean, good point about the tiebreak that Philly has the tiebreak. Yeah, so that means that that so they're really a half game ahead. Exactly, they have to. They're saying the Eagles. Then, if it was even money on who's going to have the better record from here, they're saying the Vikings would be a big bet. It'd be like a huge bet. This is this is ridiculous because the Eagles. Over under is like fourteen, and the Vikings was like eleven point eight going into this week. And I would you know? make the case it's Viking. All right, we'll get to the Vikings. Right, yeah. Let's keep moving forward here. Now, real quick, Kansas City, their bottom three win shares was sixty percent against the Colts. They lost. They should have won, but they lost. Tennessee, they won, but was only fifty-two percent. So they well, they should be one on one. And games. against Buffalo, they were forty-seven percent and lost. So you could say they got a little unlucky if you mm-hmm. blend those three. But three, 60 or below right there. Mm-hmm. And now Philly has one, 
and their sec and their second lowest is seventy seven. Philly, and you can talk about strength of schedule, and I think there's a validity to that a little. Kansas City went from remember all four teams are going to make the playoffs from the AFC West. Yeah. Well, now now Kansas City has a cupcake schedule. Know why? They they play in the AFC West. Do you think Kansas City is better now than they were this season than they were last season? Uh they're comparable. They're seven and a half points better than an average team. You That's gotta, comparable. You got to be. You got to give credit. I didn't think it was possible that the Tyreek Hill trade could work out for both teams. Because obviously it's working for Miami. That's a good point. And, and Kansas City is the best team in football. It's almost like Mahomes doesn't need um, mm-hmm. Tyreek, but, but um, Tua does. What I think is, well, yeah. But what I think is, though Tua right now is like number one by PFF and by QBR. So, But again, that shows you how much QBR especially is relying upon your receivers and such. And it, and it's um, a testament to the Miami coach too. We'll get that game also. Okay, so now getting back to this and zeroing in on it. Um. Okay, wow. We we <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. Back to the Raiders, Colts, and we talked about that line move. So you think it's going to go below seven with Kansas City? Uh, yeah, Colts. I think it's going to go six and a half. And what do you think's going on there? Is this just the enthusiasm? Because you. Oh, and you gave us on the other pod, the, the market report, you've already given out to your private client or your pregame.com clients, the Colts. Yes, plus nine. And what's in your rationale? You talked about it a little, maybe 30 seconds. Why? Um, I was worried the coach would be a disaster. He's capable so far. Uh, the attitude is clicking on all cylinders. There's no issues at all. I, I thought that they'd have an injured running back in Jonathan Taylor the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Up he looks 20, he yeah. looks 100%. And Matt Ryan just played his best game of the year. And are we sure Matt Ryan's going to quarterback the next game? I would I would say 95%. Boy, what he, possible – how could you possibly not start him after this game? Cash? At some point, you're going you're gonna to lose a lot of cash in terms of ticket sales. If but, you... but are you? Because the season tickets are already sold out, and isn't this a tanking situation? I mean, do the Colts really want to win? They can win the, the division. What's the odds of that? Probably 6-1. to one. Huh. All right. 4-5-1, and one, I think. We have another winner, though, with a line that didn't make sense. Now 2-0. and oh. <laughs> This one was a loser. It didn't make sense to me. Giants, Houston. In fact, it didn't make sense. It wasn't to me. That line was as low as four and a half at spots. A lot of sharp money on Houston in that game, too. Exactly right. Line started at six. All the money on the dog. Houston looked so bad against Tennessee. That that's might be as bad as a team has ever looked in the last couple of years. You know, it's interesting about this game, yeah, is that Houston and Mills clearly has not taken the next step forward. But, you know, when you dive into this game— and I know it was, it, the, the Giants win by eight. There was a lot to like from Houston. And when you look at the underlying stats, just offensively, how the heck did Houston only get 16 points, almost 400 yards of offense, over six yards per play? So our projected score, based on the stats, was 26 for the Giants, 25 for Houston. One point win, but 51 points scored. Coin flip game. So maybe that, maybe the... Um, well, the plus four and a half is a good... Yeah, exactly. So I actually upgraded Houston. I downgraded the Giants despite the, slightly, despite the Giants well, covering. Yeah. I mean, you had the Giants where, and where are they now? Because this is going to make, I know, I got the Giants make in, some New York people mad. I got the Giants uh, 20th. I mean, dude, at some point that seems wrong. Hmm. 20th. They're a below average team. Who's number 19? Jacksonville. 
right. Where's Tennessee at, by the way? Tennessee is 12th. Now, that's interesting because you liked Houston pick them against Tennessee. Well, it's about Tannehill's health. Oh, okay. You know, that, I but, mean, but I, at I, this I, point, I mean, the way they were using Malik Willis, some people say that Tannehill wasn't any better. Like, like the way it was either a bomb or a run. It was a run. <laughs> Every play, RJ, you could have given it to Derrick Henry. Yeah, but they were. He did. Comp- Listen, all I'm saying is, I think Vrabel made the with Malik Willis at quarterback. The offense they ran was the best offense that they could have run. I think. Yeah. So in a way, that's Vrabel. Um, Kevin Cole has this a six point Giants win. Football outsiders say zero, meaning it was a, a toss up game. They actually say it was 25 25. Boy, we were right on with that, huh? Our, our stats projection. And uh, okay. So the Giants will remain overrated and they'll cover again next week. All right. Maybe. But your point is it looks like the case could be made that the lines that don't make sense could have went 3 0. Yes, yes, because the Indy was a clean cover, Tampa was a clean cover, and Houston, the the third line that made no sense, statistically absolutely should have covered. So let's just take a second and say, why did the Giants win the game? I think we're trying to refine. I mean, you were the first person I worked with that really was trying to adjust scores in a way. You, you didn't do it to the point, but it was more generally like that. They wanted the stats. Hey, like this game, when you look at it, what is it that makes you like kind of get, pull back the curtain, or let's say let's let's zoom in a little bit? What was it that makes you think Houston should have did better than the scoreboard in which they lost by eight? So Houston won all the general stats by a little bit. They had more yards. Mm-hmm. They had more first downs. They had a better yards per play. So consistently across the board, Houston should have won. Well, why didn't they win? Well, Houston got into the red zone six times. They got one touchdown. The Giants only got to the red zone twice. They got two touchdowns. That was the difference. And really, our luck model says, what are the areas you can be lucky? Late downs, right? Because the theory is if it's fourth down especially, but third down, hey, a team that goes 50% on third down conversions can beat a team that does a lot of other things right if that team only gets 25%, Mm. right? Fourth downs, obviously more important than thirds, but both important. Now, green zone, as we call it, 33 yards and in, same concept, right? There's something called four-point plays, right? If it's third and three on the three, if you score a touchdown, it's four more points, you know, with the extra point than if you kick a field goal, right? And the theory is you're not going for it on fourth, So, but now there's seven-point plays, right? If it's fourth and two on the two, you either get seven or you get zero. And I get if they're stuck down there, there's an EPA advantage. But still. Might be 5.5, whatever. Yeah. These are big plays. So there might be 75 offensive plays in a game. And four of them, and I'm not even talking turnovers, four of them are high leverage, late down, or green zone type plays. And they can swing a game. Exactly. So I get inside your 20. I get to your 20. Six times, okay? If perfection, I get 42 points. All right? Um, if I'm completely incompetent... I get 18. Yeah, I mean, and there, there are stats like points per red zone trip and stuff. Right. Different teams do different. Right, I don't know what the NFL average is. It's probably like 5.3 or something. You know, oh, that's way that's high, but okay. Uh, within the 20? That's interesting. Mackenzie, can you see? Uh, I I know there's red zone percentages, but find a red zone points number. But go ahead, Steve. Yeah, it's a great so, – so, so if we call it five, so five times six is 30, I don't think that's going to be far off, that they should have gotten you know 30 points. No, now you could say, well, they're the underdog, Fez. They're not going to get league average. Fine. We'll give them 26 points. But they only get 
like uh, 16. It's it, it's beyond comprehension. So you were guessing, let's get this straight. So you were guessing like five five per red zone trip? Five in the little fraction, yeah. All right. I'm going to guess uh, 4.3 because my thought is touchdowns. I'll go for the middle. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe it's a little higher because I was thinking touchdowns and field goals equal. Because remember, there's going to be plays that don't even touch the red zone because they're a big explosive play. We are, you know, we're not counting those. Once you get inside the twenty, it's a red zone trip. I, th- I think the touchdowns are going to be three to one. But remember, the touchdowns are going to include the big explosive plays, like the numbers mm-hmm. that you see league wide. Well, so I'm going to say four point. That's a good point. Eight. I'm going to say That's we'll see. You can't kick a field goal from midfield when you're throwing a hail mary. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but there's you know yeah. even a 25 yard run, right? Yeah. Um. But anyway, so we're saying, hey, in this case, the 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 line that didn't make sense was, uh, or the bet that didn't make sense, should have won. At least had a. Let's say it was two and a half to a half, meaning between these three games, two clean wins, then a fifty. And, and at best, a coin flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's go. So to the, the lesson is, if you can't explain the line, you probably are unaware of something. And so were we. Mm-hmm. And 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 to me, that's the key. The reason I was bucking that Tampa Bay line was it really was explainable in my mind at the time because I thought, oh, it's Tampa. Now, now, it's may, brand. Now, may I throw out one line that didn't make sense? Go ahead. That uh, that lost? But let's see. First, let's see if it didn't make sense. All right. Arizona at the Rams. Okay. The Rams were like laying minus three, lay a dollar 20. That was when both quarterbacks were expected to play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, this was when both – you're right. It was when both quarterbacks were expected to play, the Rams were minus three, lay 20. And then both quarterbacks got scratched. Yeah, but they did one at a time, right? Because yes. when, when I did the circa for us this week, which you usually do the circa, is um, the line was one and a half. Or, or I'm sorry, the line was three at market, but the contest was one and a half. Yes. So I said, hey, sounds like the Rams to me. But then by the super contest that night, the market was up to three. Yes. Which was then at that point we knew Arizona's Murray wasn't going to play. Exactly right. So so you're like, well, if both quarterbacks are going to play, line's 3.2. If neither quarterback's going to play, the line's 3.2. And I think what the market, I think, got wrong is now, wait a minute, Arizona has a good backup quarterback, but the Rams don't. But remember, that Rams quarterback was very mobile, and he was the one that Jared – remember that Jared Goff broke his hand a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. And then he, they actually started him yes. over Goff. And he hasn't played, I think, since. So in a weird way, are we sure that Colt McCoy was better? Yes. <laughs> After right. watching the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But before the game, were we sure? Well, Colt McCoy has had success in the NFL. Woodford or has not. John Wolford has yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you get that number, McKenzie? No. Haven't been able to find red zone trips. Try this, Mackenzie. Look for red zone proficiency. What percentage of the time you score touchdowns? Yeah, that I can find. That's that, that pops up. All right. So, um, okay. So, any, so anything else on the way that game? Was it just, I mean, it was mostly a Colt McCoy's dominance? Over, uh, I mean, no mistakes. The uh, It was an evenly played game. Both offenses struggled, and the Rams made more mistakes. Okay. Well, if you look at it, uh, our stats say Arizona by five. Uh, Kevin Cole says Arizona by three. Uh, in fact, it's uh, unanimous Arizona. They won by 10. Arizona should have won a close game, and they won by 10. Yeah. All right. That's fair to say. So I I, I upgraded Arizona by a half. Mm-hmm. I actually lowered the Rams. Oh, I lowered the Rams by two because Cooper Cup's injured, and that's a point and a half right there. And he was injured during the game. It looks like a high ankle sprain. I think late third quarter. Yeah. All right. And let's now double back to Minnesota-Buffalo, uh, one of the games— 
uh, or games of the year, as some would say, a catch of the this millennium. This was the game of the year. I now this to, week. to me, this is the movie reference, and it's not a movie a ton of people have seen. They probably saw it a long time ago. All the right moves. Yes. Tom Cruise. Yeah, oh, it's the perfect reference. Right? Because remember, I think they, he had a great name for the quarterback. What, what, it was like Slinger, but it wasn't Slinger. It was like the quarterback was had a great nickname. And, oh, what was that name? And then Tom, Tom Cruise has to walk home because he's screaming at the coach. He should have done something different. Remember? Coach, the coach says to, to Slinger, you quit on your teammates. <laughs> and then Cruise is like, he didn't quit. You quit. You quit. You quit. You quit. <laughs> you quit by calling that draw instead of just taking a knee uh-huh. from the two in the rain in coal mining country. Exactly. Where winning is important. It was like Ampipe was one of the teams. Yeah. I mean, it was like exactly that. I mean, Lordy B. So, I mean, how many times? Now, by the way, I had Buffalo like minus three in the Super Contest, but go ahead. So I tweeted. When after after Minnesota failed on fourth and goal from the six inch line, they lost three inches. And I tweeted, why is it? I've seen this a zillion times. So what was the situation? Situation was a turnover on downs, 30 seconds left. Out, uh, Minnesota's out of timeouts. Buffalo has the ball on their own six inch line. They're up six, four. Okay. They're up so four. Really, they got to take how many snaps at that? How many times? One. So one. this was the only snap they could have found. I think it was the only one. All right, go ahead. So at this point, what I tweeted was, why is it? It's really hard to pick up those last six inches to get in the end zone. But you flip it around, and when a team's on their own six-inch line, they never get stuffed for a safety. It makes no sense because the defense well, should, should – in this case – it does make sense. Well, it makes sense in normal scenarios they because have to you, defend, the, you whole defend the whole field. But the, in this case, you don't defend the whole field. You put 11 in the box, and you say, you know what? If you run outside, you win. All right, fine, because you're not going to. You're just going to try to punch the ball forward you know, in a quarterback draw or a line plunge. And I and guess what? Well, this is the one time in the history of football it actually failed. They weren't the team on their own half, own six inch line could not gain yardage. Because um, Josh Allen fumbled the snap and he didn't get out of the end zone. I don't know if he would have gotten out regardless. How many times have we ever seen? There, someone on their own six-inch line with just one snap to take. I mean, I'm saying I don't remember ever. I've seen it though. I've seen it like with, with like 45 with a minute left where they had to run one or two plays. They never get a safety. They always get. They're always successful. They never get stuffed in their own end zone. I know it's easy to say this now. This is the only time in the history of football. Well, no, Tom Cruise. <laughs> okay. Now, I, here's my thinking. It's easy to say now. You've got a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Why not do? Out of the shotgun, because the safety wouldn't have been good, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. They right, so run them into the corner of the end zone, throw it out of bounds. But here's the thing: go around. If you can get a yard, you go for it. If not, if there's any pressure, you just throw it out of bounds, and it took up some time. But now you got another down to do. You know, I, I mean, I agree. I agree, and maybe there's not. You know, it's always easy to. Analyze all this after the fact, but I agree that would have been better. That's what you do a lot of, right? Is all your theories on the well, meta game? Well, when you have a ninety-nine point six percent chance of winning by quarterback sneaking, it's it's hard to like to, to suddenly want to play backgammon instead of is, instead is of tic tac toe. Because is it supposedly they were talking about something with a center and the quarterback? Was it a new center or something? I didn't know that. I don't know. Mm. They were saying they should have been practicing on the sidelines, which yeah. I don't think that would have been right. But but I, I all right. So that was what it was, right? Um, oh, okay. So Mackenzie's saying after Russell Wilson interception in the Super Bowl, 
But didn't that go out to the 20? No, it was at the one-yard line. Okay. Well, that's weird. I thought Butler intercepted it in the end. No, no, now that makes sense. Why well, not? Belichick try... figured out how to do it. Right. What, oh, you know, uh, delay of game, offense, there'll be a one-inch penalty. <laughs> that doesn't help. Half the distance to the goal line. How does that help you? The clock's it doesn't right. hurt. It doesn't hurt you. And you try to draw the defense offside uh, over right. and over and over. It's like throw. It's like a pitcher that keeps throwing to first base trying to pick a runner off. You can do it twenty times. This is like a train. This is like a tr- one of those like uh, word problems. But now the train keeps reversing keeps itself. To, yeah, yeah. It, uh-huh. Now that's that would be interesting. Imagine if they did that. What happens if they just sat there? And said we're gonna do a strike for like <laughs> equal rights or something, and they literally do it for an hour. Mm. What would, would Goodell come? Would Goodell have to holic- <laughs> helicopter in? And- <laughs> I'm gonna see like a Vince McMahon if he was in charge going down the field. You tell them those, <laughs> tell those mofos they can't run that play again. Yeah. All right, so that was what it was. I'm gonna talk a macro point after we finish this game about. Does this really downgrade the Bills, not only on the field, but as a team that gets too tight, that chokes? It's something I talked about last week. I've been talking about it all year. This is a team, until they beat Kansas City in the playoffs, and even then, until they win the Super Bowl, it's always going to be, why can't you do what you were favored to do? And that Bad pr- record in the close games. You know, it's horrible. anti-clutch. Like, and, and second half, it's like five, Josh Allen, like five interceptions, no touchdown passes. It doesn't seem possible for an MVP candidate. Except... Isn't this now a major? If you look at a majority of Josh Allen's career, the way he's played the last two games is more pro- is more uh, relevant to that time than it is to this little, somewhat little middle section of success. Yes, because um, he had two full years of bad. But the trend line is so. Yeah. If you plot the data points and draw the straight line, it's still cruising upwards. Well, it was. Well, I need if they do interpolate, you know, the the graph scatter points. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, in a way, though, even when he was trending up, he never played his best in the best games. Now, you could say he played amazing against Kansas City, yeah. except you're supposed to win when you play. If you're the best player on earth with the most tools, you're supposed to win when you play good. Thirteen seconds. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to dock him for for well, scoring too quickly when. But maybe you seconds. won't. But maybe he docks himself because, mm. to some degree, this is a self fulfilling prophecy. Now there, you nailed it. Because even if you weren't, you know, anti clutch, now you're starting to think, "Am I anti clutch?" And now it's in the back of your head. Oh my God! If I fumble again, if I throw, if I turn it over again, ooh. I th- well, you're right. There's another six months of stories. Mm. Now I will say this: being old enough now to remember Coach K in the late 80s when he couldn't win a big one, when he went to like four Final Fours and hadn't won one before UNLV, before he beat UNLV in the semis and went on to win in 91, is there was John Elway couldn't win the big one. So it happens, right? Where It reverses itself. But we're starting to move. If they, at this point, who would, you, who would you expect to win the East right now? Do you think- oh, Buffalo, 3-1, to one, 75%. Really? Yeah. Can you look at uh, 538 on that? Turnover-worthy plays on the season. Josh Allen, 19. Justin Field, 16. Jared Goff, 16. Mariota. Mariota hardly throws. How's that possible? He fumbles. 33 pass attempts, 16 turnover-worthy plays. No, I'm joking. All right. 538 has bills at 50% to win the division. Market has it at minus 180. Only 180. Okay, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Miami's getting a lot of love. Miami's playing very well. All right, now, other let, let's talk Minnesota. 
This is a team you've been. I mean, you the, you've been skeptical on Tennessee, skeptical on Minnesota, skeptical on the Giants. Are you changing your thoughts on Minnesota? Just a little. I upgrade them half a point. I still think I'm directionally right, but I'm not on an island. Everyone agrees with me. Minnesota's home against Dallas this week. Minnesota opened the underdog, two point underdog. So that's a game. If you look at it now, Green um, Dallas was at Green Bay. Line was what four at the end? Yes. Now Dallas at Minnesota, it's two. Down so, to one and a half. Yeah. So you're saying in general, Minnesota is just a little bit better than Green Bay. Yeah. That's what the market's saying. Yes. Yeah. So I've got Minnesota just a point and a half better than Green Bay. Yeah. And Green Bay was about one loss away from uh, them being the season's over. I think they're still one loss away from the season being over. Yeah, they're four and six. So McKenzie came up with this. This is good. Minnesota is only the third eight and one team or better record wise to ever be a home underdog after week 10 and excluding the final week of the season. And it's not like they're playing a juggernaut, it's not like they're playing Kansas City. They're playing Dallas. Now, McKenzie didn't think to include the after week 10, hmm. but I did for him. Thank you. <laughs> he was so, he was like, maybe my trend's applicable. I, <laughs> you know what? Bold, bold prediction, and I know I'm jumping um, podcasts. I, th- I think Minnesota could come the favorite in that game. Okay. So, as you say, jumping podcasts, in the market report, Fez gives his predictions on the, the line moves he's most confident about. Now let's go. I, I want to say this. I, 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 I think you shriek away from a little bit of responsibility when it comes to the teams that you have rated low, at least lower than the average fan would think, because you should have, you know, you should be, this is what really matters. Everyone knows Kansas City's good. If you want to say, is Buffalo still a little better? Yeah. But this is fundamental. Is Are the Giants good? No. And you say no. They stink. All right. Is Minnesota good? You say, well, average. They're average. average. They're borderline playoff. If the season started today, it'd be a borderline playoff team. Saying not with the record, but knowing what you know about how good they are. Yeah. Okay. So my point is this. That is in direct conflict with the public. The public think, looks at the standings, and they say that's pretty much right. Yeah, the public's talking about is Minnesota the best team in the NFC. That's what they're discussing. Yes. So my point is you can't just say, uh, I'm, I'm there with the, the market on this. No, you got to explain that you're the voice of the market, even if you're with the market. There's two times your power ratings are interesting. One is when yours are different than the market where you're saying, I think this team's better and here's why. And number two is when the market and you agree, but it disagrees with the public. There's really three constituencies here. There's the market, Mr. Bookmaker, but really the public and the pro betters make the market, but it is the collective IQ, the wisdom of crowds. Mm -hmm. There's your power ratings and then there's the public opinion. There's three opinions here. And the public completely is opposite me and the wise guys. And what, and, and you got to then speak for the wise guys now. Basically, and this I want to understand why Minnesota is just slightly better than an average Minnesota plays close games every week, and they get fortunate, and they win every week. Now, when you say get fortunate, 
What does that mean? That means they play. Did the Patriots get fortunate for the, their six Super Bowls? No, because they were like they they were the asterisk team that just Belichick did things that didn't show up in the box score that caused them. But to win. even their box score numbers made them above average. Slightly, yeah, oh. they're very similar to Minnesota. You know, in terms of overlying underlying stats and the like, they 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 had the statistical profile of many years. Patriots ten and six team, nine and seven team. So what is so Mackenzie? We've got. Um, our season aggregation of numbers, right? Right on. All right. Right on. Um, power to the people. Where's Minnesota at, like, like in those power rankings? Like, we, we, in a way, we can aggregate Kevin Cole's numbers. We can aggregate our – let's look at Kevin Cole's numbers. Uh, and if you didn't do this week's yet, because I know you focus on the last game for Monday, just give me up until, until – um, last you know Sunday this most recent Sunday's games yeah I I can get you with the updated numbers for sure please do that quickly okay so now we're going to look at that but probably the poster child would be the the win against Miami when Skylar Thompson starts for Miami Mm -hmm. you know and and even with that and and then uh, let's be clear he only played a little bit right and then Teddy took over right Teddy's Teddy's a start starting level backup right but still they catch a big break that two is not playing and and still Miami's and oh come on maybe now but at the time we can't uh, well but at the time that wasn't that long ago there was a sense is there a difference but still I mean Miami was in position driving down six and of course uh, fumble the game away. But isn't that what good teams do is cause turnovers at key points? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It does feel like. Possibly. It does feel like when a team is ordained to be good without performance yet, but let's say on priors, and then they do the same thing as teams that were ordained to be not so good, we say, oh, yeah, that's a good team. Oh, yeah, that's a bad team. It feels, and here's what ends up happening. Only one team wins the Super Bowl. So we always say, see, we were right. Because, but I told you the Bengals weren't good. Exactly. So the question is, it's a great example, is Kansas City wasn't good last year either. I mean, it's like, at some point, we got to say the Bengals were a lot better than yeah. maybe what their record was. Bengals are a good example because they kept, you know, winning despite not winning the stats like the Tennessee playoff game. And uh, they kept getting sacked seven times and winning. It was amazing. Okay, Kevin Cole has Minnesota as the 18th best team. Minus one. So you're too optimistic on them. Yeah. Um, At some point, I can't be too far. Like, 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 I, can't, I can't put them as a below-average team. <laughs> They're 8-1. Now, a way to quantify luck is we look at the fourth quarter win share in every game, you either get a one or a zero, win or loss, or a tie, I guess, uh, occasionally. And your win percentage tells you how lucky or unlucky you've been compared to if you add up all those, your number of wins versus adding up all the fractional wins. Mm. Minnesota is the luckiest team. They have won two and a half, almost 2.4 more games than they should have. So they have actually eight wins. They should have only won 5.6. Now, how can you have a half a win? Well, this is math. We're doing fractionals. Mm-hmm. Or not fractionals, but fractional wins, I guess you'd call it. And a good example is like the Detroit game where they trailed by 14 and then they trailed by 10. You know, So obviously that was a game there. Even the fourth quarter of their but win share wasn't good. You do realize a lot of the people are listening saying, but that's what football is. Like, still more than half of the mainstream media, or far more than half, will say, I like this team because they're plus 19 in turnovers. Yeah. 
where you are going to say you don't like I the hate team. this team. They're lucky. They got 19 in tournament. That's why their scoreboard the deceiving. results is deceiving. Yeah. All right. So. Well Mackenzie, what is the, yeah? What is the Giants' uh, number with fourth quarter win share versus their actual wins? Anything now? Do you believe at some point a team winning this much as Minnesota does it become almost a self fulfilling prophecy Somewhat. in the positive? Somewhat confidence it happens in baseball teams. It seems like teams that win one run games one year in a baseball team they tend to keep winning them. Yes, they're like here we 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 got this. Do you yeah. feel like that? Minnesota being a home dog might be an extra motivator. Oh, they, yeah. This could be a flat spot, meaning they just won a monster game. But now they're they're put in a, and, and the, the, the disrespect role. They have like, whoa, we're 8-1, and one, and we're the, the underdog? Vegas is smoking weed. And, and to me, I don't know who they play next week after Dallas, but part of me thinks, man, that'd be a time to fade them. You know, especially if they're able to I win. I agree. This is a home run game for them. I think it's the last gasp of energy before they have to have some kind of letdown. It goes all the way back to the Hail Mary they lost in the playoffs in the 70s. <laughs> well, what, 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 Wasn't that the, the evolution of the Hail Mary? That was the first one? Drew Pearson? Against the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Cowboys. That's true. Fran Tarkenton? All right. I thought, But I think the Minneapolis miracle might have evened things up a little bit. You know, Diggs should have gotten flagged for taking his helmet off. <laughs> oh, that would have been interesting. Just did exactly what the um, the dude from Atlanta did, Carolina. Exactly. Carolina, well, but he Diggs was on the field. Yeah. All right. The second luckiest team in the NFL, based upon McKenzie's fourth quarter win share for all you Giants fans, it's McKenzie Rivers. He innovated it. He's got the Giants. Well, the thank God that McKenzie's here because his numbers are supporting what I'm saying. I know. I mean, and all the hate mail goes to McKenzie. Beautiful. And in all other cases, it, I innovated. So that's perfect. All right. Anything else on the Giants? Let me think about this. We went to, I mean, you're little, and we're going to rush through the rest of these games, but Fez, there's a lack of passion for this game of the century that we, we heard about. I mean, the Buffalo, Minnesota, a lot of passion for that game. There's no effing passion. Here's why. All right. I'm so effing pissed. So I never submit my contest plays. You don't either until the, close to the deadline yeah, because yeah, yeah. things change. So the goddamn Buffalo Bills are three point two point favorite. So no more than three in yeah. the market. So I'm not. leaning Vikings plus three and a half. If I, I'm not going to play the game, but if I play it, I want maybe one of my entries. I'm going to take Minnesota because mm -hmm. Josh Allen's not playing. But then around one forty-five on Saturday, on Saturday, Josh Allen's playing. Line goes up to six and a half. Boom. I'm a Bills fan. I take the Bills minus three and a half on my, all my contest plays because I'm getting three points of line value. Then, even though Minnesota scores to cut the lead to four, it's a miracle. Stoink, they miss their extra point. Hits off the upright. Buffalo's going to win by four until this It would have been a push if nothing else had happened if they had made the extra point. If they would have made the extra point, I would have lost in my contest because it was laying three and a half. Oh, it was okay. three and a half. So Ooh. I played Buffalo minus three and a half. So I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it. And then this happens and I lose. And I'm 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 bitter. I'm bitter. Every one of my contest plays had Buffalo minus three and a half. And the funny is Buffalo by playing four. well. I'm being penalized for playing well when everyone else took God the, the other side because they took the line value because they submitted early with their proxies. My uh, my sense was and I heard this in a couple of different spots, that if it f had fallen four, the books would have got crushed. There was a ton of middle action. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Now, do you know what moved the, the line to make Josh Allen likely to be the starter? No. 
This is fascinating. Oh, oh, I do know. Go I ahead. do know. But, but no, I'm no, no, go ahead, go ahead. So if Josh Allen was going to be inactive, they would have had to have activated the third string quarterback because mm. they need a second string quarterback. Yeah. And then th- 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 there, you have a certain period of time where you have to do that by. Yeah. So, and they did not call up that dude. Thus, they you knew Allen was going to be available. Though it was possible he would have been like an emergency backup, but still, mm-hmm. that's it. And that's interesting, right? The idea that that now with the new kind of you got the third quarterback yeah. and that, that that makes these situations where if he's not going to, I would think it makes it 80% that he's going to start, but I think it's 100% that if they moved up the guy from the third string up, it's probably 100% he that doesn't play. That's yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Excellent point. Thank you. Now, I'm going to let you have two games in which you think the biggest faulty finals, now that we've already gone over about five or six, we'll finish up with a couple of your faulty finals. What do you got? Let me see what I got here. I'll do the Atlanta Carolina as you're thinking real quick, because that was all the way back on mm, Thursday. Thank you. Atlanta, Carolina wins by 10. And in every case, all the projection models we had was they should have won, but by less, by less, uh, three points by the all stats model, et cetera. And now we got Tampa Bay with a uh, with Atlanta's loss with a real high chance to win it. And that's the question: what, what should be the rankings of these NFC teams? Right, Dallas was beloved. Uh, kind of a wise guy favorite in a way, but they got run on by Green Bay. That's probably a problem there. And maybe let's go there next and talk about that Dallas-Green Bay. Then we can go to your faulty finals. Does that sound good? Yeah, so Green Bay, slightly better. It's real close. I'm going to call the stats equal. So just the fact that Green Bay— By the way, our stats model— Said it was equal, 27-27. So I lowered Dallas a half there, four-point favorite. You know, they, they tie, that's a bit, that's underperforming. I did bump Green Bay by one because Green Bay was teeter-tottering on the are we about is this a season about to go south or are we back so engaged? They're, they're, they're now, you know, maybe 538. We can look at their uh, playoff chances for Green Bay. But, I mean, it's hard to say. Let's just say this. if you fu- and, and let's give A.J. Hoffman credit. Because when we were talking this game through, I was thinking, this is on Wednesday's show, you remember, well, Wednesday taping, Thursday release of the, our picks pod, is I was thinking this is a time to buck what seems like the value on the home dog. I thought Green Bay probably had given up. Mm. Rodgers has been a cancer, it seems. And my thinking was, you know, Dallas has been off a bye. They were getting kind of creative on offense with that bye. Who knows what? Because remember, with Cooper Rush, there was a real change in how they were playing mm-hmm. offense. And then they kind of extended over with Dak with more motion, more play action, more under center. But then AJ said, but let's think about this. Green Bay has revenge against McCarthy. Yes, and I do think that that was relevant. I think it kept them focused because before that game, they were only 5% to make the playoffs. Now they're up to 12%. Mm-hmm. 12%, 1-8. in eight. I mean, yeah, you're going to try. So I think you're right. The motivational factor was probably at least one of those one-and-a-half points, right? Yes. All right, anything else on Dallas Green Bay? Nothing. All right, so our stats say this result was right around in line. Obviously, Dallas was up 14 nothing. Oh, I'm sorry, it was up by 14 entering the fourth. I think they were at 14, I think, too, if I recall. Yeah, they but, were. But um, Dallas, in their franchise history, going back to 1960, had never lost a game that they were up by 14 or more in the fourth, entering the fourth quarter. They literally, I think it was 170 and zero. You know what's interesting? Is that scoring is down in the NFL, uh-huh. but it's become similar to the NBA, where in the NBA teams get down 20 and they win all the time. And even though scoring's down, 
comebacks are up. It's like you see this, like, look at Minnesota against Buffalo. Teams get down 17, and they still find ways to I think win. It's the ability to pass, right? Yes. And I love, uh, I mean, 30 seconds aside, I love the way that the offense isn't just king anymore. That a good defense can really do something. I, I mean, it's still an offensive game. But I love the idea of teams running the ball forward. I think I don't want every game to look like a video game. I like Army Navy every but, year. But 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 what I'm saying is some teams are still passing a bunch. Some teams, you know, like you look at it. Um, uh, I'm having a mental block, but there's a couple teams that are uh, passing. Like uh, Miami, for example, typically is not running the ball, though they kind of find the running game. Yeah, a little they bit did. Here. That, but that was an aberration last week. I mean, to me, I I want to see some teams that are for. Oh, Tampa Bay before this week had been passing the ball 50 times a game. No doubt. And to me, you got that, and then you've got situations like Atlanta. Yeah, I love the variety of different yeah. teams. Exactly. I, I, I got to tell you, in terms of live wagering, I'll pull back the curtain here. Mm-hmm. The, the low-variance teams that don't turn the ball over and run a lot are great live wagering opportunities. You know why? Because you don't get that random randomness that all of a sudden this play happens. Like the worst possible team is like UCLA. Like a team that like plays like forty-one thirty-five finals mm-hmm. because like you like the other team start the ball on their own three and then and then two plays later they've scored a touchdown. It's just like the field position doesn't matter. You like like whereas if you've got a team like Tennessee's playing Denver, if you've got the ball on the fifty-yard line, you've got a huge advantage because not much happens in those games. And I also think this is an example where maybe younger handicappers, like handicappers that are just started like two years ago. Now, obviously, they got big disadvantages, but one advantage is they only kind of know this game. Yes. Well, I guess maybe it's reverted back, but, you know, I, I think another area that young handicappers might have an advantage is with the variation or the variance that comes from going forward on fourth down. The variation of, uh, I guess this is an extension of going for it, whereas you go for it on your own 25 with like four minutes. Left. There could be a seven point or an eight point or let's say a nine point game. Cause let's say they needed two scores could become a 23 point game very quickly that way. And, and as far as the variance, like the young handicappers recognize if you're down three and there's 90 seconds left and you get the ball in your own 20, you know, and you're like a two to one underdog, the young handicappers are like, that's ridiculous. They can win this game easily. Whereas the old school guys are like, you know, their brain fools them like, 20 years ago, that team up three would win most of those games. Not now. Now, I mean, they, they still have the, the edge, but it's not that big. When the current paradigm in any field is the first paradigm you ever learned, you got an advantage. That's why in coding, for example, software coding. Paradigm caches, 31. <laughs> and paradigm being defined as the lay of the land, like this is the reality of you know the state of play, let's say, is Okay, let's say that there's a new language, you know, like and, and languages evolve over time, right? And uh, in this case, we're talking computer languages. Is you might have a Bill Gates or something who actually wrote BASIC, the basic computer programming language he invented in the mid 70s, dropped out of Harvard to sell it. And he was a really good coder at the time. 30, 40 years later, not so much. Why? He understands the concepts, but he's not in the minutia. And in a weird way, whatever the reality was in your first four years of as a handicapper is going to be what really, that's when you learn the most. It's going to seep in. And then when that reality changes, you got to think, oh, that's different, where it's instinctual for a capper who is, let's say, coming up in that time. Now, 
in computer programming, there's not much about institutional knowledge or, or history that matters. So it's almost all young people advantage. Here, Fez, you've got dozens of, you know, it's like Belichick is, yeah, Belichick might not be at an advantage because this offense is what systems are, what they are. And he didn't come up with that. That's why or he didn't come up during that. Which is why I think when you play an old school game against Belichick, he seems even better as a coach because he's been in these situations so many times. And how many like wind games and special circumstance games and playing in Germany? It seems like every time you throw an oddity at at him, he, he, he does better. He excels, yeah, and because he because he finds the analogs or the analogies to it from history. Yeah, but it's like it's like two team, two two chess players playing like a really obscure chess opening, mm-hmm. and the really great chess player blit crushes the other guy. But if they play like a mainstream one that everyone studied up, well, the other guy's prepared for that. Yes, or, or the analogy I always give is like pineapple or these wacky poker games. Usually, uh, the best poker talent's going to do better in those. It's games. It's a great example. You you'd be much better off playing Phil Ivey. No limit poker than if you had to play. Or no limit hold them, let's say. Right. Then, then to, to, for, for both of you to invent a random game you'd never seen before. Exactly. Like they said Stewie Younger was the best at this, that he would literally learn the game, a new game, faster than anybody. Well, they, when he won his first World Series uh, main event, they said he had only played one other no limit poker mm-hmm. tournament the first time he won. And they said, and Doyle is on record saying he saw Stewie get better throughout the tournament. Sure. He was learning the game during the first time he won. Now, at the time, I think there was 80 people, mm-hmm. you know, in the, but still beating the 80 best players in the world is pretty amazing. Okay, so Three uh, times. you want to wrap up that game? Uh, which game are we wrapping up? I'm sorry. Well, we talked Dallas Green Bay. I think you were done with that. So now you get to pick your faulty final of the week. Uh, Lions, Bears. Okay. I think that I think the Bears should have won. I think that... Um, so Winshare agrees. 62% chance that was the most unlikely outcome of all the games. The games that actually had the losing team with better than 50 were Chicago at 62%. We had Buffalo at 59%. Well, that's interesting. Now, you might say, well, geez, RJ, they were at a 99.9. Yeah, that was for one play. So that yeah, the play, the play before there at, 20, at 31% yeah, or whatever. so yeah. it adds up. And then um, the Raiders or the Colts were at 60, so they should have won. Let me see. Oh, the one other one was Dallas actually had a 52% chance. Yeah, it's the the, the coin flip, yeah. So you generally almost always agree with the win share. Like when you like instinctually, yeah, yeah. Not, I, but the, the only time the win share and I disagree is when there's fluky stuff in the first half that team builds a big lead and they get really lucky, and then the win share is naturally going to carry into the fourth quarter because the team has such a big lead, it becomes insurmountable. Well, but those plays count. Well, yeah, but the but the luck but but the luck factor like like when it hits. Yeah, remember, in, we're not saying who should have won. We're saying based on the givens of the game. So those lucky plays count just as much. See, that's what's interesting. But they don't count as much in the final five minutes as they count in the first five minutes. In the first five minutes, they they if you get five lucky plays, you you can't come back from it. You're gonna you're gonna lose. Yeah, but if you get five lucky plays anytime, you're probably gonna do. If but anything, at least, but, but, but listen, if five lucky plays were gonna happen, wouldn't you want them to be the first five plays of the game? So then you could change your strategy to come back. Well, sure, but I don't want it for the win share calculation. I want them on the last five plays of the game oh. so I can get some win share. Banked early in the fourth quarter when the game was close. That's interesting. Uh, though you would make the case that if you're able to maintain it, it, it has more value mm-hmm. throughout the first quarter. But again, I, I do think that idea of how teams play differently in different game states and how we got to account for that when we assess these games is something no one, at least publicly, has cracked the code on, I don't think. You know, the one thing about the Bears, 
they're a very hard team to assess because their defense is atrocious. And it's gotten worse as they traded away players. Right, exactly. So they don't have Roquan Smith. They trade away another good player. And they can't stop anyone. But this Fields is Superman. So, But he's, he's a little flaky, and he threw a pick six with the Bears up 14 that turned the tie of this game. But um, he just does things that we've never seen before. No doubt. As a running quarterback, though, I still question his passing. In a way, to, if he doesn't get better, he can't be an NFL quarterback. Well, he can't be a traditional NFL quarterback, but he can be a great college quarterback that's, that's running think... a college offense. So who, who has ever done that successfully? Uh, Michael Vick. Really? That's been success. That was success. He was successful running. Yeah, he was successful. I mean, even before he got good at passing. He would was... you want? Would you want Michael Vick to be your quarterback? That's a good question. Because um, Lamar is better than Michael Vick, right? Yeah. But, and there's questions about Lamar. I mean, he, he, but Michael Vick was better than an average quarterback, even when he couldn't pass. Not, but well, but he wasn't. So he was like a little worse than Kirk Cousins. Yes. Hmm. Yes. That answers your question, yes. doesn't it? Depends if you want to go to the wild, get a wild card berth, or whether you want to win the Super Bowl. Now here, here's the uh, stats. Now pregame win shares, or not win share, excuse me, pregame's uh, stat projection. It's interesting. They didn't win the game, but they were, you know, plus one. Usually that would be purple, but McKenzie decided not to make it purple. By the way, McKenzie, what I would think about doing maybe is looking at these and saying if anyone, if it's not unanimous. It's going to be um, one the ones that aren't need to be purple. Yeah, you know, and even if it is unanimous, because but that's interesting on the Buffalo game. Doubling back a second, wow, that was a good catch. See, my system would have screwed up there because you wouldn't think a team that lost would have been unanimous to have won. I think this might be the first time I've seen that. But, but if it's not unanimous, there's got to be purple. Yeah, yeah. How much have you upgraded Chicago? The stats going around, highest scoring team in the NFL last four weeks, Chicago. How, how What have you done with Chicago recently? Just plus one point. In like the last month? Yes, because the defense is worse. So the offense is way better. The offense is like three points better and the defense is two points worse. Okay. And they've been playing to the over? Oh, yes. And that Detroit, uh, Chicago, certainly. Now, what's funny is Detroit it came on the under right at post. It was like, well, because it, it, but it went up, 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 right? It went up, up. It, well, it was 47 and a half was the opener I saw. And then I got bet up to 49. Then it settled in at 48. And then I saw some under money at post. That makes sense. I mean, there was Detroit money too, it, w- which again, I, I thought that was a, a lot sh- of support for Detroit when it, it was, so it was, it was two and a half. It's one, one group likes Chicago minus two and a half. And frankly, the wise guys like Chicago. They like fields. But then as soon as it hit three. Generally, generally. Yeah, generally. But as soon as it hit three, huge support for Detroit. But in a way, I like that. If, if it's going to ping pong back and forth, that means you get your number. Well, this is, this is a pull back the curtain uh-huh. point. Because when you have a line from two and a half to three, you could, if you lay two and a half and take three and you lay a dollar ten, it's like break even. Okay, I right? So you're basically on these games are lined 2.75 or 3.25. You should spend way more time handicapping those games because you're playing VIG free. Because you because can, you, in theory you can get a three or a two and a half based upon the timing of it. Right. Whereas and and the six and a half to seven, the six point seven five and the seven point two five games, I'd argue immediately are like minus one hundred five games because you same can, concept, same concept, but not as powerful with the seven versus. Three. I tell you this: if if we said there's a defined condition to when this state is two and a half and three, 
And we could just say that at three different points of the week on different days, that at least a third of the books had one and, you know, whatever, however we did it. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to lay me 20 cents on it falling three. I would say that it's going to be worth less than 20 cents. I think that it's moved to probably 17 or so cents. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, it depends on the total. Lower totals are better. That's why I'm saying all games. But all, I think all games, I, my, I have it at 18 cents. So, right. you'd loo- so you lose, you would lose, but it's. I, I would win. No, I would win. I'm you, saying you, yeah, I would book it. If you booked it, but if you, you know, it's, and it's interesting because one book in town does exactly that. The South Point. Uh-huh. That they just, but they, they, they teeter totter back and forth in these games. But they, but they were doing it judiciously, meaning they, they're doing it for reasons. Though it might be a tough decision. Because they don't come with the money line, they don't vary the lay price. Well, their owner tells them they, they're not allowed. <laughs> which, which is gone fa- tells them. Yeah. But the fact that we're saying talking about that now is probably makes it worth it. I, exactly, I mean, what I'm saying it's noteworthy. Well, yes, and what the book, what all the other bookmakers do that I consider to be an egregious mistake, is that I'm fine with them playing with the vig on the three because well, yeah. it's so important. But they do it on everything. They do it on well, the sevens. First of all, you worked for Pinnacle that plays with pennies on every. Uh, and every spring. They were dealing minus 104 yeah, on the NFL in each direction. They had to. But the but but the point is is there's no reason not to ping pong pong back and forth six and a half to seven. That's great. Right tickets. This you, this group likes plus seven, all you want. This group likes minus six and a half, all you want, baby. Just bring it. So so you're saying you don't like when they use the money line in places other than three or the lay price right, other than because three. if you deal minus six and a half, minus eighteen, then you just killed all your action. Now, you're never going to have the best number on either side. No one's going to want to bet it. Well, every number is going to have an absolute value. If You, you, can, you can deconstruct every number down to a money line. Right, but anyone who's shopping is never going to bet either side. If you deal minus 6.5, lay 15, for instance, because I'm not taking plus 6.5, lay 05. I can get 7 minus 10. That's better. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to lay 6.5 minus 10. You've got stoppers in each direction. They should never take any. But bet. if six and a half minus ten is out there, then the mar- then that line doesn't make sense. But if everyone else is at seven, and one's at six and a half minus eighteen, then there's going to be there's value. Yeah yeah, 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 that's right. So, but yeah, if you're right, if there's flat six and a half and uh, and there's flat seven, yeah, you're right. Any of those, and there no- typically is in that case. Uh, that happened with the Texas. T- I think you're back in the old days when there was always th- these lines are pretty painted these days. Well, like Texas, around key numbers, I think. Well, but Texas TCU is an example. It was seven, seven and a half, seven, seven and a half. It just never settled in. Yeah, and college obviously each for the longest time. Uh, college, uh, the each uh, key numbers a little less key than the NFL because there's disparate scoring. Yes, and higher total. except for the seven, which now things may be changing because seven used to be more important in college than the NFL because the overtime rules are, mm. are conducive to landing seven. Mm-hmm. But now, because in college, you're forced to go for two with the second overtime. Well, it used to be the third, right? It used to be the third, and, used to, and, and it used to go up to eight overtimes. You could win by, you know, you could win by eight and, and eight overtimes. And now the third overtime, you can only score by twos. If you, 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 if you score, you, you have to do a two-point conversion. I do a two-point conversion starting with the third overtime. But the theory is it could still go eight overtimes. Yes. Just less likely. Yes, but if you got plus two and a half, you got yourself a, win- a winner. I believe. I am not sure if you score in your two-point conversion then you and then I throw a pick six. I don't know if that but counts But remember, it's points. not a pick six. It's I think that return's worth like a point or something. I, and I don't know if it's worth zero, one, or two. I don't know. Now, what's fascinating, <laughs> what's fascinating is the NFL has their scoring model in the NFL Fast Star, it's called. Hmm. And they have every possible scoring play that's computed on every play. So it says, what's the chance of a field goal here? Well, zero if you're on your own one-yard line. Okay. They actually have, for completionist's sake, 
on a two-point conversion the chance of that team getting a safety. Mm, sure. So that team would have to lose. Sure, they would have to lose 98 yards to get a safety. It's possible. Well, yeah, that's the point. That's why I said for completists. But, I mean, can you imagine? what It's never happened. But every time there's a two-point conversion, they have it calculated in the system. So I'm trying to think. So they, you didn't understand what I was saying. No, I did. I did. I did. And, so, and the response was sure. So, so you, so you have your kick blocked. Well, that wasn't selling that at all. By now, the way, you have your kick. You, you have your kick blocked. The other team runs it back to the five. You strip them. You recover the fumble on your own two. You then start to run the ball. And you're you saying reverse. 98 yards back, you recover the fumble. Right. Mm-hmm. So you recover on your well, own. I think I understand how it could happen. Right. You, Somehow you I'm, get I'm back working to that out my own mind. So, so you wind up, you start with your own five, you recover the fumble, you run backwards from the defender, you get sacked in the end zone, and that's a safety. Is that two points or one point? <clears throat> sure. <laughs> Next game. <laughs> All right, I'm going to Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Pittsburgh looked mighty good. They this one was clean. Pittsburgh, solid win. Should have won by what uh, they won by. I upgrade. Well, they won by 10. Uh, stats model say 14. Everyone's in double digits here. That was a nice win. A plus one Pittsburgh, minus one Saints. The minus one in Saints is a slam dunk. I was thinking about raising Pittsburgh one and a half. I really was. Because, again, back to the season. The same thing as Green Bay. The only thing I would say is this. I think Pittsburgh's bad enough that maybe that's not the case. I think this was a win for Tomlin, the team believing in him, T.J. Watt coming back and the bye. It was a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Bye, T.J. Watt coming back. New Orleans kind of lost. Kind of was a, uh, a dream crusher last week. A lot of money was on them Monday night. Short week for them. I mean, a lot of things there. I, I don't know if that continues. I think next week they're still energized. But T.J. Watt will be back, and it will feel more normal. Eh, I, I, I would not bet. Like, if someone wanted to give me plus 200 or something on Pittsburgh, you know, Tomlin having even eight you know, eight wins wouldn't meet the criteria of the sure. win. But I'm saying I don't think so. I, I think Pittsburgh – I mean, right now – got to be six and a half for their season win. Yeah, Something like that. That's interesting. So I got three wins now? Yeah. I would even maybe go under that. Though I didn't look at the schedule. Sure. Right? Pick it. Had 199 yards, like on 45 attempts. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's coming around much. Uh, okay, dealer's choice next game. Um, Jacksonville, KC. Yeah, uh, fault, that is a faulty final. I upgraded, even though Kansas City, you could argue, should have only won by some Two people seven goals by Jacksonville. Exactly. I still upgrade Kansas City by half because they dominated over the the, the, the stats, and they were minus three in turnovers. Minus three in turnovers, they still covered. Got upgraded. Yeah, now that that is a, a number. Now look at this. We say Kansas City should have won by the stats. Say eighteen. Kevin Cole says fourteen. Pre-game, uh, pre-game composite says 14. Now, the wise guys were on Jacksonville in this I, I, game, for the so most part. I. Everyone that I read, yeah. I was hoping to get 10, but um, let's see here. I want to see where the uh, – because this, ext- this was an extreme case where uh, – so, for example, with the um, field goals, Jacksonville was four points unlucky on field goals. Hmm. So every time you kick a field goal based on how long it is, let's say it's a 25 yarder expectation is going to be like 2.8 points yep. or whatever. And if you miss it, you're going to lose a lot. If you make it, you only gain a little bit because you're supposed to make it, et cetera, et cetera. All right. We're going to continue now in rotation order. 
And we've got not many games left. Miami, Cleveland. Now, a lot of wise guy money on Cleveland. A lot of it. <laughs> no, no doubt. And they were not rewarded. This was not a phony final. Miami crushed them. Tua's looking super impressive. I upgraded Miami one, lowered Cleveland one. So is Tua still number one in both the uh, QBR and the PFF grade? He is. Man, oh, man. All right. We actually had all of our projection models had double-digit win by Miami. Cleveland, remember, Stefanski was the coach of the year last year. It seems like the, the bloom is off the rose, as they say. <laughs> I used to meet with this Tuesday group, and we had a, a, a guy, mm-hmm. oh, uh, Richie, he was from, from, he was from your part, neck of the woods, you know, so like a laborer and um, a unioner. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he used to, he was always, when we say, you know, last year, he, this team did this, and he's like, that was last year. <laughs> that was his thing? <laughs> that was his statement, yes. You could have almost had on a sound machine if he wasn't there. All right. Um, Yeah, well, that I remember the ESPN, oh, not chalk at the time, but the uh, it was part of the plus or whatever. Um, They they did like a whole kind of uh, uh, diary on a day in the life of the Tuesday group. Mm. They didn't they didn't explain that the total value of all the cars in the lot of the Tuesday group, there was like 20 cars. The total value was like $40,000. Now, was that before or after that we had one of our guys get a toad? <laughs> <laughs> and Fez shows up, fresh off his two Subaru contests in a Mercedes. His hair was a little gray. Now it's jet black. <laughs> Movie reference. It reminds me of Superman 3. Okay. Where um, Richard Pryor, uh-huh. like, is stealing from the company. He's getting all the, all the he's pennies rounded the straight, his way. The straight fractional. Uh, fractional a- 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 exactly. And they're like, fractional. you know, we're never going to catch this guy. He's just going to keep siphoning money from the company. This guy's clearly too smart. He's going to lay low and just bank the money. And then the next thing they hear is, like, the music blaring from, from his Lambo as he pulls up to the company. <laughs> <laughs> that feels a little racist to me, McKenzie. What do you think? The black guy, he can't, like, hide his wealth? What do you think? Richard Pryor could pull it off in a classy way. A nuanced Canceled. way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cancel Superman 3. Superman 3 cashes a 200 to 1 reference. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was like someone sitting behind a desk and he's got an intercom. Cancel Superman 3. Send the word. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tennessee, Denver. Tennessee is one of those teams just over-performing expectations. And Fez is not convinced. Though you actually got him up to 12th. Any thoughts in this game? By the way, Russell Wilson, as Chevy Chase would say, not good. You know, what sums up Russell Wilson is so he gets strip-sacked. He's, the team's down seven. He's tick, tick. They're running out of time. He gets strip-sacked. Looks like it's going to be a turnover. 26 seconds left. The clock's still ticking. He doesn't even bother to see if his team recovers the fumble. He just kind of heads to the sideline. They're like, Russell, we, we recovered the fumble. Get back. He was going over there to high knee and stuff. <laughs> it was like, ah, we lose, you know. Uh, so, so it, it, it not uh, not what I want to see from an engaged quarterback. Clean game in terms of the final score represent representative of what the stats were. So Denver has gone under, 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 under. I'm not saying every game, but almost. I think they would be eight and one this year if they had just scored 18 points in every game. Mm. That, that stat was making the rounds. Um, Tennessee scored 17 in this one, by the way. Do you think there's value on the under still, or is the cat, or is the cat out of the bag? <laughs> still like unders. That de- I think you could make the case Denver is the best defense in the NFL. Now, by the way, this, I think they do have the best defense in the NFL. The st- yeah, I th- yeah. The stats say that Denver should have won this game by half a point. Really? Yeah. 
Okay, so, I could see that. They won the first downs. They won the yardage. That's, that seems pretty good. <laughs> they, they, uh, they lost the yards per play. You know, they got a lot of yards, like, on the final trailing remember, in, we, in remember, the fourth quarter. Remember, we took – we take out the garbage time. You know, I'll say this, too. Derek Henry – But how, how – There many, was no listen, garbage time. So then how do you dismiss those plays, then? Because if you're trailing by seven throughout the entire fourth quarter, uh-huh. you're running the ball. I know Derek Henry's going to run the ball, and I'm, less, and if, and if I'm used to it. I'm going to give up six yards per play. But anybody else probably can stop him, and you're, and you're going to get crappy numbers in the fourth quarter if you're Tennessee because you're, you we're just running out the clock. I would say that the probably the purest. I don't think in the NFL anymore a typical team is just running up seven. Now maybe Tennessee because they run up in they any run situation. down seven exactly. Yeah. So then that means that it hasn't been changed. Yeah. By the way, Derek Henry. But, but hold on a second. Yeah, I believe down seven is going to be one of the purest times in the fourth quarter you're ever going to see on offense and defense. Okay, I'll, I'll, I. I Right? I, yeah, you're right. I would say if it was a 90 seconds left. If it was left, 10, it would be different. Yes, and if it was 90 seconds yeah. left, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, By the way, Derrick Henry, 19 yeah. carries 57 yards. So so Denver, no one can stop Derrick Henry except for Denver so far. And Tannehill was back. Did he seem 100% to you? He looked good. All right. Yeah. All right, last game. Last game. Once again, the 49ers disappoint. The batters lose or win by six. They do not cover. So we talked about this game in our other pod. The market forecast pod, the Niners, this is a Plinko game. They could win by three, six, or ten. All three were about equally likely when the Niners had the ball uh, after the Chargers went for it and failed on the basically the two-yard line at the end of the game. It's 11.25 at night. That's it. Listen to the rest of the pods. Talk to you later. 